we know that our God is with us. We know that God is faithful. Um, I, told, I told my wife yesterday when we went on the outreach, I said, you know what? Thank God for people who respond. Just thank God for people who listen and, and just, just want to come and, and, and be in God's house. And uh, it makes a difference, beloved. And so we're going to continue on with that. I'm not going to announce a corporate outreach for the time being because the fine has gone up to $10,000. <laughs> And as you know, uh, we don't want to unnecessarily go out there and get into trouble. They find fault with everything you do. Um, and so on Friday night, we saw the officers walking by uh, in the evening. We were upstairs in Bible study. We saw them walking. And um, it's not so much of whether or not we are doing everything right. We are doing everything right. Except the problem is they will just purposely try to find fault. And we don't want to cause anybody. If you want to pay the authorities 10000 give it to church. <laughs> if you have so much that you want to give to the authorities, uh, bless the kingdom of God, and I tell you, God will bless you in return. But, uh, so we're just going to wait out for the next one or two weeks. Let's watch as the, you know what they always say, you know, two days ago, they had this massive roadblock in Sungai Bersi and in uh, some area in Damansara, if I'm not wrong, a massive roadblock. Everyone started complaining, then they made the U-turn. Then they took the roadblocks out, right? And so it's all very hot now. 10,000 is a lot of money for them. So it's kind of hot at the moment. So let's wait until it simmers down and then we will do what we need to do. Amen. And then uh, they, they, they wouldn't be so uh, probably as attentive. Uh, but like I said, it's not so much of whether or not we're following the SOP. We are doing what is necessary. It's just that we know how people want to find fault, abuse of power, different factors. So I want the church to be safe at the moment for that reason and so let's just keep that in mind bible studies will continue but saturday programs uh, maybe for this week we will just wait and see how it goes on from there the week after all right and so just keep that in place and in mind and let's pray i hope that you are reading the book of acts and the book of joel i hope it's ministering to you uh, and it's helping you uh, to develop and to grow closer to God. Be open to the Word of God. I say that to you, be open. The Bible says we are the people of the book. You know, that means when we obey His Word, we are blessed. When we do the right thing, Deuteronomy 31 says, when you obey, when you keep His principles and His Word, you are blessed. The key to blessing is obedience. And so I encourage you, uh, to be a part of all that God is doing, uh, pray and let's believe God for God to continue helping us through the process. Next week you come, I hope uh, there will be a new look in the church. We're changing the backdrop. And so say bye-bye to this today. Before you leave, say adios. This is going upstairs on the third floor. So we reuse everything we can. <laughs> we don't let it go to waste. When we built this, uh, we did it and we said, okay, now, since we got the youth center, so we've taken everything upstairs to the youth center, we'll have a backdrop there uh, for, you know, uh, we have, we're planning to do podcasts and various things down the road, uh, doing uh, different uh, interviews per se um, with the backdrop on the back. Then next week, they're going to finish this off and hopefully uh, that will be up 
and running by next Sunday morning. And so just keep that in, your, in mind. That they start work on Wednesday and then I hope they finish uh, by Friday this week. So that is all uh, this morning. Let's go into the book of Isaiah 27, beloved. The book of Isaiah chapter 27 this morning. Um, I also want to uh, consider with you not only Isaiah 27, but I also want to go with you to the book of Luke chapter 15. So if you would stick to those two passages, there's a reason for that. Some of you would remember the story of a Singaporean Gojek driver. Uh, this happened about last year. Um, and what happened is he, he picked up a passenger uh, and seven minutes into that ride, the, the, he in fact uploaded this clip. Uh, the passenger, he began to ask the passenger where she needed to go to and which way she wanted him to take. The passenger responded and said uh, she's not very well versed with the roads. So she suggested that he took any road that he saw uh, directions leading towards that destination. And so as he took that road, he had to go through the ERP. You know, in, in uh, Singapore, you have toll roads, ERPs. And he began to say that he had no choice. He had to go through in that, in that direction because it was peak hour in the morning. And as soon as he began to explain to her that it was impossible for him to avoid the ERP, she began to just blow up in anger and she begins to make she made some very harmful and difficult or very tough accusations. And so he said in the video which was taken, the passenger is heard saying, you are out to cheat my money. And, and so she began to go on and on and then she picks up her phone. You can watch this video online. She picks up her phone and she calls someone and the guy on the other hand, or on a lady on the other end of the phone says, you have no right to take her hostage. So this guy was like, look, I'm going to take her to her destination. But if it makes you happy, I'm going to go to the police station. And so Kamarul Zaman said, look, we're not going to go down to that location of yours. We'll go to the police station and make, because you're making this accusation. You're saying, I kidnapped you. You're taking you. I'm taking you hostage and so on and so forth. Eventually, the car stopped at a police officer, an assistant police officer, you know, police bantuan. And the car stopped next to him, and this guy pulled down his windscreen and said, uh, Sir, where is the police station? And so this lady at that time, immediately she tried to, you know, jimmy the, the lock and open the door. She said, you see, you see, he locked me inside. He don't want me to go out of, leave the car. This, this guy looked at her and said, there's a police in front of me. Why would I lock you inside? It was automatically locked. The car has an automatic lock. And so on and so forth. But how many know that woman? I'm not going to pull any punches. But she was clearly very twisted. Very twisted. Have you met someone like that? Who's twisted in the way they think. When you don't mean any harm to them, they always look at you and say, oh, you want to hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I want to preach to you on that spirit this morning. I want to talk to you for a few moments, a sermon I've called Untwisting the Twisted. Because the spirit that we're dealing with is a spirit in the Bible known as Leviathan. Leviathan is a twisting spirit. In the book of Isaiah 27 verses 1, I want you to look at this text uh, with me. We're dealing with a spirit. You heard me preach Tuesday night. If you heard the sermon, I preached on a spirit. Covetousness isn't the sin, but the spirit behind covetousness, as I said on Tuesday night. And this spirit that we're dealing with is a spirit in the Bible known as the spirit of Leviathan. We don't want to go into too much information and uh, deal with this in a sense that I want to use the very basis of this passage to establish my point that this is a spirit we're dealing with. It is an demonic, it is a demonic, unseen demonic spirit that is at work. It is the spirit that associates and is associated with twisting the meaning of words that are spoken. It turns people against one another. And what it often does, this twisting spirit instigates unrest. And I want to consider Isaiah 27 verses 1. In that day, the Lord with His severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan. The fleeing serpent, Leviathan, that twisted serpent. And he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. So this is not foreign to God. He has dealt with the spirit, this twisting spirit. He calls it a serpent. He calls this a spirit this morning, a twisted spirit. And I declare to you, beloved, because he identifies this as a spirit, you and I must confront this serpent. You and I must deal because we know that from the beginning of creation, what happened in the time of, the, of creation, the serpent twisted God's word. We know the Bible tells us that when he looked at Eve, he said, has God indeed said? Did God really mean that? Did God really literally tell you not to eat of this fruit? And then remember the second twist he brought to Eve to confuse and to cause her to, to be uh, completely caught off guard. He said to her, uh, Do, God, does, this fruit is not going to kill you. You're not going to die just because you eat this fruit. He twisted her mind. God said the day you eat this fruit, what did God say? You will die. But the serpent came up. You see how this twisting spirit works. We can be so convinced. We can be so uh, determined in our mind. We can somewhere come to a place where we are bought into it because it's a twisting spirit. We were talking about the spirit of discernment on Friday night. And my wife shared with me a story. She said, you know, when I got saved and when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I know a few of them were also sharing the same sentiment, but she said, discernment became the evidence for me. It was like I knew what was right, what was wrong. I knew what I should and what I shouldn't do. 
I knew what I should say and what I shouldn't. It was like a clarity that all of a sudden befell me and I became aware. And I will read to you a few scriptures later because Paul identifies the Spirit even in a person who begins to proclaim godly words. Because the twisting spirit knows no boundaries. It has the ability to convince you. Have you gone into a shop and then the guy at the store convinces you to buy something you don't need? He tells you, this is good. You need it. And then in your mind, you're like, hmm, true, huh? And then after you spend the money on it, you walk out and you're like, why I need this actually? What's the purpose for it, you know? He, he has convinced you. You have said, no lah, I don't need it. He said, you need it. Just like Eve, you're going to die. No, you're not going to die. And this thing begins to twist. The serpent is characteristically a manipulator. He is so good at it. He uses his devices. He uses people to deceive. He is marked by the Spirit. He deceived Eve by twisting God's word. I have been in times as pastors, as a pastor sitting down in, at my table, conversing with someone, twisting words. And you think to yourself, what are you saying? You, you wouldn't say stuff like this. Six months ago, what happened to you? Why is this becoming right? Why is this? Why are you so hateful towards leadership? What happened to you? At one time, I was a friend of One time, you loved the church. One time, you loved the pastor. One time, you wanted everything to do in the kingdom. What happened to you? What twisted you? It's a spirit. And I want to look with you for a few moments in the practical light of this from the book of Luke 15. Because here we find a story that clearly begins to describe the Spirit. And as discreet as it is, I want to point it out to you so you can see how the Spirit works in the practical. Luke 15, 25 to 32. Now, his, whole, his oldest son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he had received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, this many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and found. The story relates in the practical how the spirit is subtly at work. The prodigal son returns home. The father throws a welcome home party. 
The older son who is laboring on the field is offended at his father's response towards his brother. He's upset. Why would you kill the fatted calf? What is the reason for the celebration? What is the purpose of celebrating a son who has rebelled, walked away, and, and began to um, use up all of your, his inheritance? Why would you celebrate such a thing? Why would you do that, Father? Here's a man. He is bitter at his brother's blessing. How many know that people can get bitter when you're blessed? Why brother so-and-so is so blessed? That's why you've always heard me say as a pastor, be careful who you share with the blessings that you have. There are many green-eyed monsters out there who get jealous and envious and they pass curses on people. It's not fair they are blessed and I'm not. It's not fair they are prospering and I'm not. It's not fair. Not everyone shares in your blessing. He had a twisted, warped view about his father's action. He refused to go in. He murmured. He stood outside. There was an absence of joy because he had a twisted attitude. A twisted mind. There was no joy in his life. Have you met people who are twisted? We read about that lady. And again, I'm not pulling punches, but, but why, why would you live like that? So everything is suspicion. Everything is conspiracy. Everything is about, you know, I suspect you're about to abduct me. I'm a, I suspect you're out to get me. I suspect, look at their eyes. You know how they look at you. You know, we try to mind-read people. When you are twisted, you mind-read people. I have pastored some twisted people through the years. They always try to mind-read you. What is pastor thinking? Nothing. <laughs> what is he thinking about me? You think I've got nothing else to think about? <laughs> you think that my whole life revolves around you. You know, he's thinking something about, look, at he didn't even say hello to me. See how he said hi to me? He just said hi. Short hi. He didn't say hello. Come on. Stop being so true. <laughs> and the ones laughing are the ones that feel that. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But this twisted spirit eliminates joy from your life. You become suspicious about everybody. You become questioned, you begin to question everyone's, you know, action and intention. You question everyone's concern and love towards you. It's like there's something behind their action. And so the older brother stayed outside where there was an absence of joy. Now the older brother syndrome, known in the psychology field, Psychologically speaking, it's a symptom that demands for his loyalty to be rewarded. He has labored, he has stayed faithful, 
to his father and will only accept if the blessing was his. So in his mind, what has twisted him is that in his own mentality, he has begun to uh, process and, formul and formulate this thought that I have done this for you, I have done that for you, I have labored for this number of years, I am the star of your show, and you never even bother to acknowledge me. That is the older brother syndrome. The syndrome sadly despises anyone who does better than you. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that is at work. It demands that I must always be on the top. The limelight, the light must always be on me. If someone else is being seen, if someone else is being acknowledged, I can tell you by the level of maturity, when you can take the step back and allow someone else to rise up. Your level of maturity is seen in that. It also carries with it a high expectation. An older brother syndrome is an entitlement mentality spirit. I deserve it. I deserve this. I deserve to be blessed. I deserve to receive that increase. I deserve it. Not him. I deserve it. And when you start speaking in that way, we need to immediately check our hearts. Because we can see ourselves as the most worthy and the most deserving of candidates. Now, this is a work or a spirit that's at work that hinders the work of God in progressing forward. That hinders the work of God in progress. It is seasoned, the spirit is seasoned with falsehood, exaggeration, lies. Look at what the brother says. It is a twisted person that will always develop a negative view about people around them. When they look at people, the first thing they say is always something that these people never, never do anything for God. Lah. Cannot. Lah. They'll never do anything. Lah. They'll, they'll, they'll always be like that. And they always see negative in people. You talk to them, everything about life is cynical. Nothing is favorable. Nothing to them is done in good faith. There is suspicion. There is judgment. There is always the twisting of the truth. This is a spirit at work, beloved. And you and I know that children can be like that. When they get to a certain age, what have you done for me? Can I start? Your, the labor bill at the hospital was this much. Then after that, every day I put food on the table for you. Then after the food, I bought diapers. Then I bought milk. Then as you grow older, by the time you get to 18, 21, I would have spent a million dollars that I could have spent with my wife and go on a nice vacation. <laughs> but I spend it on you. And then you ask me, what have I done for you? How many times we ask God that? In my daughter, Julia, we were driving this week and uh, brother, uh, she didn't know this was coming. <laughs> she, she's sitting at the back and the both of them got into a fight. And so I, I said, stop it, Julia. 
she, she smacked her brother. I said, stop it. You see, we also have real problems, you know. <laughs> I know some of you think pastor got a halo on his head. His children all, yes, daddy. <laughs> no. <laughs> we got problems too. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, <laughs> and so she, she, she smacked her brother. And I turned right around. I said, my hand is going to turn around and smack you. And you know what she responded to me? I wasn't going to do it, but I, she, she looked at you. Stop judging me! I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, what, what do you mean by judge? Now, obviously, obviously, Julia being a seven-year-old girl, going on eight, she'll correct me afterwards, <laughs> will, will be ignorant to the fact Stop judging me. She doesn't know what it means, really. She just, she just runs it. Maybe she heard it from grandma or something like that. I, I don't know. But, but, the, but the truth is... But the truth... <laughs> don't worry. I buy her nasi briyani. She'll be okay after that. <laughs> so anyway, why judge? She said, just stop judging me. And so the point is... She did it ignorantly, no doubt. She spoke it out rapidly, but how many adults, when you're corrected, because you have a twisted mentality, you immediately, stop judging me. No, no one's judging you, just correcting you. Or how many adults would say, you know what? They view rebuke as hatred. You hate me. Why would I hate you? Because you're telling me what I should change it. Because I love you. But when it's twisted, when it's twisted, they view rebuke as hatred. When it's twisted, they view correction as condemnation. When it's twisted, when you come to church and you're challenged to give, you would say, the pastor is greedy. Where does that come from? Where does it really come from? It's a twisted mind. And I want to look at the older brother who had really no reason to get upset. Think about it. He was living in the comfort of his father's house, a house that his father gave him. He gave nothing to that. The father brought him into, blessed him, and on top of that, you know what his father did? Gave him a job. Go into the, go into the fields, and I will remunerate you for that labor. And so, you see that he was in his father's house. He was enjoying the privileges of a son, but he was so twisted that he was blinded and deafened. I say that again. He was blinded and deafened. Why do people get twisted? Because they are blind and deaf. To what, pastor? To what? What are they blind? He was ungrateful. He lost sight of the blessing that he had. It's a privilege to stay in my father's house. 
That alone should hold you back from complaining. It's a privilege to know that my dad loves me. And to know, if you read this passage, beloved, in Luke 15, the Bible says in verses 30, Son, all you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Verses 31, sorry. All that I have is yours. It's a privilege. But to come to a place and complain and murmur and say, you know what? He lost sight of the blessing he had. That's why people get twisted. They forget the goodness of God in their lives. They forget the grace of God in their lives. They forget the mercy that God has shown them. That they complain, they murmur, they become twisted and upset and bitter because they are blinded. And as I said, all I have is yours. This man was clearly deaf to the reality. Have you ever spoken to someone and you tell them, you know what, we really love you and we care for you? No, you don't. They're so twisted that even when you say something to them, they're not convinced that you care for them. Their mind is so twisted that they've come to a place where they don't see the blessing that you show them, the mercy and the grace and the privileges that is upon them. I remember years ago, there was a couple in church. And this couple got severely offended. This was in the mother church, severely offended because pastor at the time gave the opportunity to someone else to rise up in a certain ministry. But I want you to understand this couple that came to church was showered with love, blessing. There were times that pastor went out of his way just to help them, did many things for them, began to provide for them in the times when they were jobless and had nothing in life. And he helped them get a job and different things that he went, he went out of the way to do that. Then one fine day, just because he gave someone else the opportunity to give get involved in a ministry, this couple got so offended, they badmouth pastor, they begin to send a text message to the entire church, said, you know, this man is a sly man and blah, 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 blah. What happened? It's a spirit. How is it you can love someone and hate them so drastically? The older brother, this event brought to surface the rebellion that was hidden in his heart. See, you would not have seen the rebellion he had until someone else was lifted above him. As long as he was the top dog, he was okay. But the moment someone else was blessed, his true colors came out. And how many know that when you're going through the adversities of life is when your real attitude is seen? You can be the nicest person when everything is going well. When life is a beautiful bait of roses. But the moment issues come to surface. We see that with our children. We see that with people around. You see that in offices. You see that in schools. You see this often playing out. 
the Bible tells us that this man got angry. He got upset with God in verses with his father. He was angry. He would not go in. Can I say his anger was uncalled for? He retaliated because he had a twisted perspective. He had his own issue in his life that he didn't want to deal with. He didn't want to confront his rebellion. So when somewhere and somehow that spirit was tapped, somewhere and somehow the moment the issue of life presented itself, he was forced to respond. He responded in this way, but it had always been inside. It has always been there. And now you can blame anyone. It is your fault, Dad. It is your fault, Pastor. It is your fault, this so-and-so. It is your fault. You are the reason I became... No. It's in there. It has always been in there. And if it wasn't the pastor who triggered it, it would be someone else who you get upset with that you are going to blow up. That's just the reality. Because this man had rebellion in him. This man was dealing with the spirit. His reactions were uncalled for. He questioned his father's judgment. That's why parents, I keep telling parents, don't, don't, don't let your children grow up in a sense or with a seed of rebellion in their heart. Parents, don't ignore that. One day they will blow up. You cannot outsource parenting. God put you as mom and dads to raise your children up. How many times we ignore or we just push them aside? They become rebellious. He viewed his labor, his hard work as a license. You know how much I did? You know what I've done for you, Dad? I have the right to tell you, you know what? You are wrong. This is twisted. I have the right to tell you. He gets upset with him. I make a statement to you. He saw condemnation while his father saw redemption. The father saw an opportunity to redeem his younger brother. But this older brother saw it in condemnation. This spirit is so real, beloved, that it becomes a mindset that is impossible to break. In my years of pastoring, I've pastored, I have ministered, and there have been people through the years I have seen that no matter how well you treat them, they always have a warped mentality about you. You cannot win them over. It's a mark that is there. They, they, they just process everything differently. And I can tell you, in all my years of sin, it never goes down well. Genesis 27, 35, uh, 36, sorry, and Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? Look, look at this passage right here. For he has supplanted me these two times and he took away my birthright. And now look, he has taken away my blessing and he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Can you see what Jacob is saying? He has supplanted me and he has taken, sorry Esau, he took this away. No, he didn't take it away from Go ahead and put that on again, Chum Kwang. He didn't take it away from you. 
Can you see that? He has taken away my... No. No, no, no. Esau, Esau, you sold it. You sold it. He didn't take it away from you. That twisted spirit in Esau, he immediately processed Oh, He did this to me. No, he didn't. You gave it away. You are the one. Remember the story of the, of the lentils and the, and the birthright. He said, if you give me this bowl, I will give you my birthright. He sold it. He gave it away. In 1 Samuel 18, 8-9, look at this passage. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed one thousand. Now more than, what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. Instead of Saul rejoicing that David had slain Goliath, instead of him rejoicing that it was a corporate victory for Israel, Saul hates David because he sees him as a threat. What a twisted thought. What a twisted way of thinking. The very man who has your heart, the very man who cares for you, the very man, David, who is indeed a man who will stand by you in loyalty, is the very man that you have somehow negated and pushed aside. And now you hate that man, that very man who has somehow become close companion so let me close here see as believers you and i can lose sight of god's grace god's goodness in our lives we can miss it we can complain so much that we see everything through negative light a twisted mind are always convinced can i tell you listen to me very a twisted person when you communicate with someone who's so twisted they are always convinced they are right I'll, I'll put it to you very bluntly. You cannot correct a twisted person. You can't. Argue with them until the cows come home. Argue with them until the, the sky turns red. They will not. They are twisted. They have their own mindset. And that is all they are. They are bound in that spirit. And I have learned, I never confront someone who is twisted and bound in their own ways. Oh, this is it. This is all. And they're addicted to something or they're hooked on something. I just let it play out. Because I tell you why. I've confronted people like that. You know what it does? You! And they fight with you. Sometimes, you just let them face the consequences. Why carry unnecessary burden when we have the Holy Spirit with us who will convict them, who will do what is necessary? And I've learned that through the years, beloved. I've learned that when you deal with this circum when you deal with these people, there's always this, uh, this thing in them. They retaliate with aggression, they retaliate with anger. I'm gonna close, I'm gonna bring this down. I've got five more points. I've observed people who are bound, people who are bound mentally by the spirit. Everything you say, you say, I love you, they think, you know what, got something ulterior motive. Lah. You tell them I care for you, ah, sure, he wants money. Oh, you say, oh, you, 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 we, we are going to do this. Oh, yeah, the, 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 and they got always something to say. 
Why? Why are they so foul? Why are they so warped? Because it makes them feel better about themselves. That is the reality of it. They feel good when they can condemn somebody else. It makes them feel better. And so you know what they did? They always twist everything you say because it, it is difficult to redeem someone with a twisted. So the question then, how do we respond when someone else is blessed? When someone else is seeing the prosperity of God in their, when someone else is seeing God giving them breakthrough, do we rejoice? Do we rejoice in other people's victory? That's why when you share with us, my wife and I, we, we, we rejoice with you. We are celebrating with you. Wow, praise God. Like this week, Brother Danny shared something with me about his son. I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. I rejoice in what God is. I don't publish. I may not come up here and tell. I know everyone's story to some degree, but I don't come up here and tell everybody's story in the pulpit. That's not right. But I rejoice. My wife and I celebrate your victories. We celebrate when God moves in your life. And, and I ask you, how do we respond to God? See, the older brother only saw what wrong the younger brother had done. Be very careful when you talk to someone and all they can ever tell you about is what wrong someone is doing. And every time you talk, I tell you uh, what wrong they're doing. Uh, and every time you talk to them, it's all about the wrong things. It, this is wrong. That is wrong. This is wrong. He had failed to see that his younger brother had done what is right by coming home. Are you with me? He, he could have turned around and said, wow, my brother came back. No. He said, you know what he did? I'll tell you what he did. He took the father's money, he ran away, squandered everything, used it, and never came, never, never even bothered to appreciate that. And so, blah, 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 and everything is about the negative. Nothing good comes from a twisted person's mouth. A twisted spirit will always emphasize the negative. A person who is twisted will always magnify the wrong more than the right. Let me give you a few things to identify the spirit. The spirit always, when there is a twisted spirit, how do I identify it, pastor? Listen, listen, listen to me carefully here. How do we identify the spirit? Number one, it magnifies the wrong and it minimizes the right. The spirit always labels and mislabels. Who is right, they will call wrong. Who is wrong, they will call right. Are you with me? The people who are doing the right thing, they will call wrong. They'll say, this, is, this, this person is right. But the person who is doing the wrong thing, it's the opposite, you get what I'm trying to say. They will label and they will mislabel. They always have this warped mindset that the right people are doing wrong and the wrong people are doing the right thing. A twisting spirit has this sense of all or nothing thinking. If they want something, you know... I, have, I've, I find myself in that before. You know, you go to the fridge and then you want something to eat. Right? Let me think. Let's say you want one of my wife's sourdough bread and you don't see it there because the kids finished it. <laughs> 
So you know what you do? You get so angry and you tell this, I don't want to eat anything. No, but I got white bread, don't want. Don't want, I want sourdough. That's the all or nothing thinking. Twisted people are like that. You don't do it my way, I'm not happy. I want it my way. I want it like this. I like it like that. If no means I'm not happy, you also must not be happy. Have you met twisted people? And so how do you deal with the spirit? Two minutes and we are done. The twisting spirit indeed is an abusing spirit. I am convinced there are people seated here. You know someone who has done that to you. Someone who has twisted the truth. Someone who has abused or violated you. Someone who has said things to you. And you realize, wow, that, that is a twisting spirit. And so here we must first identify that we're dealing with a spirit. It is not just flesh and blood, but it's spiritual warfare. You cannot have conversations with these people and expect them to be set free. It doesn't happen. Right? You, you, you cannot expect them to just all of a sudden come into the light and, Whoa! I realize I did wrong. No. They will, they will fight you. They will say, no, 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 I'm right, I'm right. They will fight you for a while before they come to admission that they are really wrong. So this is the spirit we're dealing with. And the only way to confront this is by spiritual warfare. The older brother knew that his father was indeed a good man. Think about this. At the back of his mind, he knew his father was a good man. But he will not give credit to the goodness of his father. He emphasizes the bad that he thinks his father is doing. But in fact, the way he's treating his younger brother is because of his goodness that he has also been treating the older brother the same way. He has been generous to him. He has been merciful to him. He has been good to him. And this is what we need, beloved. The twisting spirit knows how to manipulate people. One of the things we talked about on Sunday, on, on Friday night is how this Holy Spirit begins to enable us to know and discern what is right and wrong. That people will say all kinds of stuff, but you need to stand firm and truth solid on what you stand for. And I say to you that this spirit, beloved, will always bring confusion. It is a mind battle. And the only way to establish and to be able to break free from it is dominion in the mind. We need discernment. We need wisdom. That is why sermons are so important. That's why coming to church is so important. Because in the preaching is where you begin to find clarity of mind. You came this morning. You heard me preach on the twisted spirit. Some of you know the people I may be talking. You know that this is true. You can identify with it. Some of you, maybe this is the spirit you may be dealing with. But I deal, I challenge you. You're going to have to identify these areas and confront it. Matthew 16, 23. Look at Peter. Just, just think with me. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Can you imagine Peter as one of his disciples? Jesus, what's wrong with you? Are you out of your mind? Would you tell your disciple to get behind me? What is wrong with you, Jesus? Are you crazy? No, Jesus saw something in the spiritual. 
that you cannot see in the physical. What about the other woman in Acts 16? This is the last scripture and we close. Acts 16, 17 to 8. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High. Listen to the word she said. These men are the servants of the Most High God. What's wrong with that? She called them men of God. Right? She called them men of God. Nothing wrong with that. But what did Paul turn around and say to her? She, in fact, went on to say, who proclaimed to us the way of God. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that very hour. What wrong did she say? Nothing. She sounded very Christian. Sounded very biblical. But you know what's the difference in both? You know what's the common denominator in both? It's the spirit behind the statement. Do you discern people's spirit? Oh, they can tell you lovely things. Oh, Jesus is God. So? Oh, Jesus is King of Kings. So? How do they live their life? Do they make Jesus really King in their life? It's more than words. And that's why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. What was he confronting? He was confronting a spirit. Because Peter was twisting. He made it seem like he loved Jesus. But it was a twist. This woman did the same thing. So the question then, we know that this week, one of the things in the news is fake news. <laughs> hundred thousand, you know. But how many know that fake news? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> nothing to do with that. But truth is, fake news has the way has a way of twisting truth. It looks at something. Can you imagine? We have maybe about 30, 25, 30 people this morning, for example, and and there are twenty five different opinions. Can you imagine one million people reading the news? There are one million different opinions. One fellow will say this, another fellow will say that, another fellow will say this, another fellow will say that, another fellow will say that. Everybody's got their own opinion. And everybody knows how to twist it. So the question is this. How do we stay untwisted? Very simple. Very, very simple. By simply embracing truth. What does the Bible say? Don't, don't jump the gun. Don't judge someone. Look into the Bible and see whether their actions are truly biblical. We're very fast, we're quick with our mouth. But it's truth that will ultimately, ultimately defeat the twisted mind. And you and I this morning, we're going to pray for deliverance in our minds. We're going to believe that God is going to enable us. You know, maybe at one time you appreciated the fact of just being in church. But today you have come to a place where, ah, so much church. Ah, too much of preaching. Ah, pastor preaches too long. <laughs> Whatever it is, don't get twisted. Don't get twisted. Learn to appreciate what you have. 
Appreciate the privilege of coming. Appreciate, be open to know that, you know what, what a blessing it is. And that will help you stay clear-minded this morning. I want you to bow your heads with me.